they still like come at me. So are you checking your smile lines? I'm looking at my face here. I think I'm a bit sunburned from today. You do look a bit sunburned. <laughs> do you think I do? You do, yeah. That's one day, one day of sun, people in Ireland, mm. and I get sunburned. <laughs> hey, I am a bit sunburned. <laughs> you do, you do look a bit sun. You look a bit red. Welcome back to Gymnasts on Zoom Drinking Coffee. I'm your host, Patricia Duffy, and I'm joined today by 2019 World Bronze Medalist and 2018 European Champion on the Pommel Horse, Reese McGlinnigan. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm not going to lie, I literally had to look up how to pronounce your name properly. I wanted to make sure. I like thought it was Reese, and I was pretty sure it was Reese, but you never know. Yeah different spellings and things like that. Yeah. I heard my spelling of the name was the original way to spell it. It's actually Welsh, the, the way I spell my name, R-H-Y-S. And um, yeah, I, I was told that was the original way. So I'm going to stick with that. No, I like it. I like <laughs> it. What are you drinking in your I tea. tea? Okay, I figured it would probably be tea because it's like seven yeah. Seven o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be I'll be getting the coffee shakes before bed if I, if I drank coffee. Yeah, I mean I'll sometimes have one like late, but this is definitely still coffee. But um, the tea tea kind of gives you is it like decaffeinated tea or do you? No, you... it's actually not. But I I've literally drank tea uh, in the evening time since um since no age. So I I, I think I've built up some sort of tolerance to tea. Um. Because I, I don't, I, I have a cup of tea in the morning, but it's, I, I would never feel the, the caffeine effects from it, but a coffee mm-hmm. I would or any energy drinks uh, I would. First, obviously we talked about like my background, but what, um, do you have a background or do you like to keep it like chill? I don't know if I've got a background. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't use backgrounds on my Zoom that much at all. <laughs> That's okay. If you don't have one, that's totally cool. It's basically been like mainly a miss with all of our previous guests besides like one because it just always makes them look like the spawn of Satan or something. <laughs> yeah. It gives them like yeah. lies and stuff. I am going to like training every single day in the same place and taking a, a nice photo isn't really something that's um, isn't really something that stands out. So videoing something, videoing a conversation. Um, even even like the conversation we're having now like this will be on the internet forever which is like awesome that's uh, yeah. so cool because we can come back in 20 years time and be like oh remember that time that we had a conversation and that was that was a really cool conversation and yeah. um, we, can show, we can show our kids we can show anybody we like mm-hmm. yeah no it's video is great because it's so dynamic and it captures mm-hmm. like that whole moment it was something I was really obsessed about when I was younger was watching on YouTube videos, just all the videographers, even even if there was guys that were doing vlogs, like daily vlogs, they would always they would always make one one like big video where they edited together a bunch of stuff from a certain day, and it was just my favorite thing to to watch. Um, and I actually I, I get super jealous over the the people that do those daily vlogs because yeah. I I always think like I, even though I wouldn't want to be walking about with a camera every single day of my life. 
I get really jealous of them because that's all there. They they can they can literally go back to a certain day. They're like, that was an awesome day. Go back to that day and rewatch it. Yeah. Like that, that's a crazy thing. And that's really cool, especially like for you guys who are, you know, going to the Olympics and documenting that because like not many people get that experience. Like a very small portion of the world population gets that experience at all and then like you can show that to other people but then you can also look back on that because like you said like 20 years from now you could like show your kids like be like be like here's your dad at like 21 years old getting ready to go to the olympics you know when i was cool and then they'll be like oh no dad you weren't cool you were never cool yeah uh, there'll be something in the in the future where they're like you were seriously walking about with a camera (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We've got drones flying about, following us with cameras. (laughs) You actually held your arm out with a with a stick. (laughs) Yeah, that's gonna definitely be a thing in the future. Whether it be like you you held the camera out in front of you and took a selfie, that's weird. Yeah, Um, they're gonna make fun of us. But yeah, going back to that YouTube thing, I. I watch all of those guys on YouTube and, um, you know, even, even Johnny, Regina Moran, um, Jake Jarman, they, those are the couple of British guys that are, that are doing those vlogging channels and, yeah. um, uh, Bram, uh, for Hofstad from, mm-hmm. from Netherlands. He's my personal favorite, personal favorite guy ever as well. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I watch all of those guys and I don't think there's enough of them in the gymnastics community. So, mm-hmm. um, again another motivation for for starting to film for starting to take out that video camera yeah um i know i know that i don't want to give away any of my of my top secrets for pommel horse or anything quite yet so i'll maybe wait until i finish my career for that to come out but i i i love the thought of documenting my journey to show even younger gymnasts uh, i was on a zoom call with a with a gymnastics club from dublin uh, uh last week and uh one of the gymnasts was like oh, when are you going to post on youtube again and i was like well that's a good question actually because i haven't posted on youtube in about four years mm-hmm. um but it just shows that that they're sitting at home looking for motivation to to find in gymnastics and find the love for gymnastics and and watching youtube videos of guys training uh, day in day out is part of that motivation mm-hmm. so that that's um it's inspiring to actually to actually see kids um, of of the younger generation um, coming up in gymnastics and just watching YouTube videos. Yeah. that's all I did as well. Um, even though there wasn't many people doing vlogs or anything or training videos, I, I was obsessed with watching competition routines. And um, my my old Russian coach used to give me like really old DVDs um, of of people maybe training back in the nineties mm-hmm. in Russia and stuff like that. And I would just be obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed with it. And um I I think it more more gymnasts should start doing those doing those daily vlogs and and my journey to Tokyo or my journey to the next Olympics. Kids especially like think that these things are out of reach. And like these kids that are maybe like eight or nine or 10 years old or whatever like those are they're the future like in them in you know that age range no matter what country like there's a future somebody who's going to follow in your footsteps or follow in like Simone's footsteps or somebody and like ultimately like they're out there and all of them feel like I mean when you're a kid like think about it back to like 10 years ago you're just like 
oh my God, these people are like gods and they're amazing. And I want to be like them. And it can seem so out of reach when, you know, it's just kind of like you only see the surface level and stuff versus like this day to day and seeing like the struggle and them doing normal things like, you know, having a cup of coffee or, you know, hating conditioning one day or just like being in a bad mood or not, you know, taking time to get a skill skill versus like, you know, just thinking like, oh, they just, you know, did that double double, like no problem. First time through, like they're amazing. Yeah. I think, I think that is, it is, it's so important for younger kids to see, um, yeah, the older gymnasts going through training processes because, um, taking me as an example, as a younger gymnast, there was not, there, there was no senior gymnasts in the country. I was, I was training alongside or seeing them training. Uh, the closest I came to it was uh, my coach, Luke Carson. He, mm-hmm. he, but he moved to um, to England to train um, with with Lewis Smith and Dan Keaton. Um, so you know, when I was growing up, there was no senior. I I was the best gymnast in the club, mm-hmm. and I was twelve years old. Uh, not a very good gymnast at that time so um it just shows that you know if I was to go home and, and sit down and watch a YouTube video of a of a senior gymnast um, talking me through their training regime you know I, I could see they're playing on trampling just like I'm playing on trampling there they're doing the same condition exercises that I am um you know I'm actually I'm doing those skills on pommel horse that he's doing so it, it you can definitely see how the motivation can can be sparked for younger kids to see you know senior gymnasts showing them besides you i mean when you think about irish gymnasts you think about reese and that's basically it at least for from the outside looking in um and so it's like yeah it's hard because you're just like you're kind of like you're a way maker almost like i don't really know (laughs) a good word for this but like you're paving the way for future irish gymnasts and stuff because there isn't that, like that history like in America obviously like the women can look back decades and find inspiration versus like the Irish kids could otherwise be discouraged because you're just like yeah. like somebody up until last or two years ago like an Irish gymnast had never won a world medal so yeah that's I, like- I mean I, I wouldn't even see it as the the kids even taking um well, of course, for the kids, it is beneficial for to see, you know, that this Irish gymnast um, being on the podium uh, at a world championships, being a medal contender at Olympic Games, that's inspiration for them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like switching the standards, um, because for Ireland now, a world medal is the standard, um, being European champion is the standard, and that that can that has to change within the coaches' heads too. Um, so the coaches can't just be pushing for these these gymnasts participating at a European Championships or participating at the World Championships. Um, you know, that you don't want a full Irish team to go and um, you know, place last or place second last or whatever, because you want them to, you, you want to send any gymnast that's going to World Championships to have a capability of making a final or getting a medal. So. I think it, a big responsibility is for the coaches to change their standards yeah. and the gymnasts will follow suit. The gymnasts will 100%. I mean, you ask a gymnast, what do they want to do? I want to win world championships. I want to win an Olympic medal. Yeah. So, you know, why, why shouldn't the coaches change their standards with them? Not to back on those coaches, but just like 
the years, decades and decades of like just having, for lack of a better word, mediocre gymnastics that doesn't really like place or whatever, like you can almost see that like they've relegated themselves to like my gymnast isn't going to go that far. Like I'm just going to, you know what I mean? Like it's just like not pushing them to their full capabilities because ultimately like we're all human and there's probably like plenty more gymnasts out there who can do what you're doing. And there's also more gymnasts or potential gymnasts out there who could be the next Simone or whoever. Um, and it's just like coaching plays a big role in that, which is like another reason it's not even necessarily related, but like at the Olympics, like I think they give like coaches medals or whatever. Yeah. The medalists um coaches and I think that's important because coaches do like your coach isn't winning the medal for you but they play a huge role in motivating you getting you to that level that you need to be at and just like also being a friend to you which is yeah yeah so it's it's not gymnastics isn't even like any other sports in the way that most likely stick with one coach throughout your career maybe two or three you know, it's not like um, in team sports where you're getting tossed about different coaches, you know, every year uh, even. Um, it's it's that one coach is your coach. Um, so I've been working with Luke since I was 14 now. Um, and that that's when I saw like a proper change in my gymnastics is when I went to Luke. So um, it, it the coach plays a huge role. Um, so the... The, the main thing is sticking on the topic that we're talking about changing the standards within a country yeah. the main thing that I always see in in Ireland is uh, the coaches pushing back and being like oh well this isn't how we've always done it yeah. you know, look at the look at the last four years when we sent the whole team to the world championships yeah. and you know the the performance directors or gymnastics Ireland or or Luke himself has to turn around and say well the standard has changed we're not just participating anymore we're winning medals we're not going to send people that aren't going to win medals um although I would love to see uh every gymnast go to a world championships and experience the uh, amazingness of competing beside your idols and beside the best in the world yeah you know you do want to send the people that represent your country uh, to the best of their ability um so coaches need to step up and uh, the gymnasts will follow so they will i feel like there's a whole like coaching revolution going on um just in general and also about like having proper coaching and not like abusive coaching which has been a yep. trend a poor trend that's been highlighted upon lately that's unfortunate, yeah. but also like changing that mindset and stuff because yeah. there, I mean, there's bad coaches everywhere and stuff, but I think that also like contributes to it. That helps because I think if you're, you have a coach that's focused on positive coaching and reinforcement and constructive criticism and stuff yeah. um, and has your best interests at heart, like it'll also, that also helps and follows suit because if they're pushing you too hard or just like, negative 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 that's also obviously not conducive for creating a european champion or world medalist or anybody like that yeah so i think the 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 negatives that have come out about gymnastics coaching recently have it's made every coach check themselves which is a great thing um even even me as somebody who wants to be a coach in the future it made me check myself in the way that Okay, how would I have handled that situation? How would I do this? 
maybe it's not the best thing to do that. And it, it does, it, every coach in the world has checked themselves since the, all of the negative news came out about, about gymnastics coaching, um, which, you know, of, of course, the negative itself is horrible. Um, but to take a positive from it, it's that, is that every, every coach got to check themselves and re, reassess their coaching methods. Um, you know, sh- shouting at a gymnast nonstop is a short-term method of coaching. And um, that it's you know, it's little things like that is, is what is what makes or breaks a gymnast and makes them enjoy the sport or do, don't enjoy the sport. And for me, the main thing, the main thing for my gymnastics career was always I have to enjoy the sport. And um, I think the same should be for every gymnast. Every gymnast should go out there and go into the gym, even though it's a hard day. They want to push themselves. They want to get better because they enjoy what they do. There's just a difference between respect in your coach and being fearful of your coach mm-hmm. and i think the coach it, it, you know if there is a if there's a bad coach out there that's that's generated that fear to them it just seems like respect mm-hmm. like they, they were being respectful of the coach which is completely different that if the, if the gymnast it, the coach needs to recognize if that gymnast is fearful or respectful uh, as you said the gymnast should, if they are respectful, they can come to that coach and talk to them about anything that's on their mind. But if they have that fear factor, then I'm sorry. Um, if they have that fear factor, then it's 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 negative towards their gymnastics career. It doesn't make them want to come to the gym. It, it doesn't make them want to talk with their coach at all. So it's yeah, there's a difference between respect and fear. A hundred percent. I love how you said that. Like, there's a difference between respecting and fearing your coach and you'll know if and co- that's that's on the coach's shoulders to recognize that as well because yeah. nine times out of ten like obviously you're in your early 20s and a lot of male gymnasts are a little bit older but like with female gymnasts especially which is where a lot of these re- recent issues that have been coming to light come from is like these are children these are minors these are people who yeah. don't are basically like, you know, we're still getting out of that mindset. I think we're like children, like should be like quiet at the table and like, like, you know, put up or shut up or like whatever. And especially with the younger ones, like coaches, like instead of owning up to that and recognizing that it's on their shoulders to um, establish that good relationship and recognize that the gymnast is fearful. They just take advantage of um, the adolescents and um, you know, these, these children being not, I don't want to say ignorant in a bad way, but they're just like, you know, they don't know. Um, and then it just like perpetuates that, um, grow. That's a short term solution. Mm -hmm. Um, is, is gathering that fear, shouting out a gymnast. It's such a short term solution. You know, it, it'll work that first couple of times or something, but it, you know, as it goes on, you're, you're just shouting at a child and, um, and making them not want to be there at all. Uh, you need to, uh, every every gymnast as well is their own individual person. So you need to get to know them in, in the best way possible uh, so that you can you can get them to enjoy what they're doing and also make them work hard. So there's some gymnasts out there that love, love pushing themselves to the absolute limit. And that's, that's completely fine. Um, of course, in that situation, you'll need, to, you'll need to know when to stop them. But... Um, then there's other gymnasts that 
keep working hard they hate doing conditioning but you need to find different ways about it that's the fun of coaching you need to you need to find different methods of yeah. you know, getting them to condition while maybe playing a game or or having fun while doing it um because if you just shout at them yeah they'll do it that first couple of times but after that they'll they'll grow to resent you and not want to come in the gym doors again it's like this never-ending circle like people are always like focused on medals and stuff but if you're yeah. running out of resources for lack of a better word when it comes to like gymnasts then you're setting your whole country up for failure it's just it's not good from any side of things it's not good as yeah. human beings and it's not good for the success of your sport long term in your country coaching is a full-time job in in my books um if i'm honest uh, you know, you can't, you can't pull off the things that coaches need to do uh, by seeing it as a part-time job or just, just getting a paycheck at the end of the month. It's, it's kids that are in your hands and um, there's, a lot, there's a lot more than you think that actually rides on, on your coaching job. Let's talk about um, Euros coming up. It's actually going to happen. It seems like I'm barring some like last minute faux pas or something that just like blows it up um not actually <laughs> um but that being said how has been your preparation for euros and like is this besides like you know your personal like in the gym training is this like this is like your first meet back since all of this correct yeah yeah it's my first my first competition back since 2019 worlds so i'm excited uh, can't wait to get out there and show everybody what I've been working on uh, over lockdown and even just getting back into the gym mm -hmm. working on them them routines of course and then mock mock competitions but um, I haven't felt better uh, honestly uh, leading up to this competition I feel great and um, uh, I'm upgrading my routine as well so uh, hopefully everybody gets to see that and um, yeah I just can't wait to get back out there can't wait to um, compete at Europeans again. I actually, I even missed Europeans in 2019 mm -hmm. because of my shoulder surgery. Yeah. So to get another chance to, to get back that European title, um, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. And it's your, so it'll be, so you've already, for people who are watching and might not know it yet, um, you've already qualified like as an individual to Tokyo yeah. via the 2019 when you qualified to event finals, you earned your spot to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So this is, you don't have to worry about like Olympic trials and stuff like that. You are focused on basically polishing up and getting ready for, for that meet. Um, in particular, like that's the big one, obviously, but this is the first yeah. step. And then after Euros, is it straight to Tokyo or I'm trying to think of if there's anything yeah. else. I think it will be just straight to Tokyo because uh, after Europeans, it's 10 weeks until we compete at Olympics. So yeah. well, it's, it's not a huge amount of time. And well, I, I know that Doha might be in June time yeah. somewhere there because it was postponed. Um, but uh, we, we don't want to, we, we've got quite a, quite a re nice refined competition buildup um, and to put another competition like in the middle of that build up will just kind of disrupt things. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't see much need. Uh, look, look, doesn't see much need either. We we go out there at European, show what we can do, show the judges our nice execution as well as the nice difficulty, and um, we'll we'll 
demonstrate that exact same thing at Olympic Games. So that leads me to asking, obviously we've seen you playing around on like floor and stuff, mm. but so are you going to focus just on pommel or you have the potential? And again, it's like something that a lot of people might not know, but no matter how you qualified, even though you qualified via to Tokyo via the qualifying for the pommel horse final at Worlds in 2019, you can technically do every event. So yeah. are you planning on doing other events like at Euros or Tokyo? Is it still up in the air or is it just going to be pommel and like that's it? No, it'll just be pommel this time around. Um, I, I do, of course, as you said, um, I do train floor as well, just a little bit, but the, the focus is always going to be pommel. Um, I, I think I could do good on floor. I, I think I could um, do something on floor, you know, make a final here and there. Um, but we could we can leave that to the next cycle. Um, uh, I know that the, this cycle is just mainly focused on pommel, especially with the the past year with lockdown and everything. Of course, it wasn't wasn't able to do floor training at all during lockdowns. Um, but um, which I completely I, I sympathize with the floor workers or the rings workers that were that were trapped in their house, unable to do things. But um, I, I think it's just wise to to. Uh, and Luke mostly made the call on this where um, he just wants my body to be injury free. He doesn't want any any issues at all. So um, just we're going to take our time getting back into floor work. Um, yeah. You know, if, if it's too close to a competition, I might leave floor um, for, for a second or if it's a really difficult week of training, just reduce the numbers on floor a bit. But um, I do, I, I really want to give Floor a good go um, after this Olympics to see, to see where it takes me because yeah. I, I might, I might make a final or two with a, with a nice routine and mm -hmm. stuck landing. So it's, it's exciting too, to, to have that in the back of my head as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I feel like, I mean, you have great technique on floor from the clips that you've posted. Like you just definitely obviously are not a one trick pony by any means. Um, but nice one. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like it definitely makes sense with lockdown and stuff. And then Paris is only three years away. So it's not like you have to wait like the full, I feel like that's something that we're all going to like look back in like two, two, three years and be in the same position again and be like, oh my God, that went by so fast because even yeah. though it's like delayed a year, a year's a really long time. And yeah, we're going to be shocked for sure. <laughs> if, if we're just going to like lose one whole year of our lives in our memory. We're going <laughs> to, Paris is going to be here. And we're going to be like, wait, what? Olympics? <laughs> People are going to be qualifying in like, what, next year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like we're yeah. going to have Tokyo and then we're going to have the Winter Olympics, which like, I don't really know if you tune in for that, but like, I love Winter Olympics. So we're going to have the Winter Olympics this upcoming winter and then yeah like qualification starts all over again and then like it's just gonna go like that I mean it feels yeah. like yesterday that it was 2019 worlds or 2018 yeah so one of the two it'll be interesting to see what FIG do with the qualification process um next time around uh I quite I quite like the qualification process this time around um can't see too many negatives to it i would just i would like to see more um uh, apparatus specialists going yeah. 
Um, because, you know, there's so, on each apparatus, I'd say, there's a, a metal contender that's just going to be missing out. Yeah. Um, but I, I can also understand that they, they want to push the all-around side of things. They want to get as many all-rounders in as possible. But I, I don't know. I just, it, it, it hurts me every time. It, Petronius, for example, mm-hmm. um, current Olympic champion on rings, um, is struggling to qualify. Yeah, and that's that, I don't know. My, something something isn't right about that. But um, yeah. I don't work for the FIG, so I can't say hundred uh, percent. But I I did quite like the qualification process this time around. To be fair, yeah, I qualified. <laughs> <laughs> it works great. When it's just like it's hard to see the downside when you're the one benefiting from it. And obviously, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of benefits to this qualification process, but I do know that next time around there, the four plus two is out and it's going to be five person teams. I don't know about the individual side of things, but I do know that they're going back to five person teams. Um, As far as, unless I missed a headline in the past couple of months, that's what the next, and everybody's just kind of like blinders on to Tokyo and then we'll think about everything else. But that's definitely out there. Um, okay. So there's just always, it always stinks because it's like almost like you feel like the Olympics are every four years. So that's a long time between Olympic games. But like for Petronias, for instance, like he, he won and he's the reigning Olympic champion and he's still competing. So it's almost like you feel like he should be like grandfathered in, like he should yeah. automatically. I, I- I, I said this the other day to Luke. I was I was just saying because we we're, were having this exact same conversation, and um, I was just saying, you know, if you're an Olympic champion, you should get a golden ticket to the next Olympic Games. <laughs> I don't. I, I know four years is a long time. A yeah. lot can happen in four years, but just as a little um, respectful thing to do for Olympic champions, maybe you should get a a, a pass for the next Olympics if you want to, but. Yeah, like I, feel, um, I feel like it would actually like work out pretty well because I mean, think about the Olympic champions from like 2016, like mm. um, Sane and um, I'm trying to think about who else, like Oleg, um, Eleftherios, Simone, like all of these people are still very much active and stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously there would be random ones like Aaliyah's not really training. So that would kind of present like an interesting thing, but then also like they wouldn't make it past qualifications if they haven't been training and they decide to take that golden ticket. So it's, it's kind of a good idea because then you have these moments where it's just like, it is truthfully unfair that Petra and I might not be able to defend his still rings title when he's perfectly capable of it. He's still doing well. And it's just because of the qualification process that's, that's keeping them from like that just doesn't make sense it doesn't compute yeah uh yeah i I mean it was it was a great rings final in the 2019 world championships um the fact that he pulled off his routine as he would and uh came forth just shows that the standard is very high yeah on ring um so i i mean and then them top guys as well they obviously qualified their individual spots through that um it's a difficult one um 
course, it, it needs a, a hell of a lot of thought, and I'm sure the FIG do put in the thought to it, but yeah. uh, there's there's just something not right about a, a current Olympic champion not qualifying the Olympic Games. Miyagi from, I think he's Japan, um, um, yeah. high bar, like, Ebke was literally basically, you know, taught, like, Ebke wants to compete against him. He wants to compete against the best, and, like, they're not going to get the chance to basically compete against each other in the, like the high bar final, because I mean, it doesn't seem like Japan is going to send uh, Miyachi to Doha and the way it works out. Like it's, it's only the first place finisher in those individual finals. So then he's out because he can't be on the all around team, only four people. And then it's just like the best gymnasts should be at the Olympics. It shouldn't yes. be. Yes. That's the whole point. It, it shouldn't be just a bunch of gymnasts who happen to put up a good high bar routine during qualifying and then FK goes in there and just wipes the floor with them, which I'm yeah. not I'm not bagging all the other high bar specialists, but Miyachi is one of the best in the world and he can compete with FK. And I'm sure, you know, that gold medal would mean that much more if FK won if Miyachi was competing against him or vice versa. So it's just, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> the best gymnast in the world should be at the Olympics and that shouldn't be a question of it. Yeah, but here, I want to ask you this. What do you think about um, the two per country rule for a final? Yeah. Because that's kind of the same situation where the best should get a chance to win a medal. There's been a lot of situations, obviously, especially in all around where... Um, you know, there's been there's been more than two people in that in that qualification mm -hmm. race. But what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I think there should almost be like a stipulation between like the two per country because I think it used to be three per country, um, or at some point there was like that kind of stipulation, and then it got switched to the two per country, and it was like because like the US for instance like could sweep the whole podium and then there were other countries but like again it should be the best gymnast so like and I'm just thinking of because it's happened to the women the US women so many times but like I feel like if you finish in like the top 10 like it should maybe it should be should be two per country unless you finish in like the top 10 or the top five or even the top three if you want to be really particular about it but if you finish in a certain way to the podium or whatever, then you should qualify like basically like no matter what, maybe. Or maybe like the t if you're the top three of your gymnasts or whatever, because then like that would cover that, I guess, if like you're yeah. performing well. And then so like Jordan Weaver would have been in the all around final back in 2012 if maybe you took like the yeah you took like the top 10 or the top five or whatever yeah i've never thought about it in that way actually interesting yeah i don't know okay. um but it just it's yeah it's such a pain because you're just like then you have that heartbreak where you are like jordan weaver in that instance was one of the best all-around gymnasts in the world yeah. and she didn't even get the chance to earn an olympic medal and yeah, it could have been the U.S. one, two, three. But how often is it really going to be sweeping that? Now with the U.S. women, that's a that's a rarity. Obviously, the dominance they've had for so long, it's like, yeah, okay, we get it. But nine times out of ten, like you're not going to have a country 
sweeping the whole podium. Yeah, very true. Yeah, there's no, because the standard is so high worldwide in the sport now, there, as you said, it's it's very unlikely that there's going to be a one, two, three. And if there is, let let there be. You know, it's a, it's such a it's such a cool thing because it is so rare. You know, you might you might not get to see this happening like that. That would be a cool thing to have, in in the women's say like USA one, two, three all around. That would be class. Um, because yeah. they, they do dominate. And if anybody complains about that, you can just say, well, get better. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Like you need to get better. And that's the thing. Like I, I don't mind the qualifying processes favoring, you know, trying to qualify, you know, even smaller countries so you can qualify. But like, as far as the actual, when it comes to performing and meet day and like podium potential and stuff, once you get there, like it's whoever's the best should win. I just don't like the stipulations. Um, Yeah necessarily or they need to be modified to recognize the fact to to put athletes first because ultimately these athletes are working really hard and y'all are working really hard and if you earned bronze on the podium at the olympics then you should get bronze brings up the other conversation of like tiebreakers at the olympics because people are so hell-bent on breaking those ties at the Olympics and like to an extent I get it too and I don't actually know where I would stand on that but that's a question for you what because you've tied with like Max before and then you I think it's execution that breaks it so but like at the Olympics say you and Max both tie for gold and it's like and you then you have to tie break it I mean it's just like Good thing is he he's got a higher difficulty than me, so <laughs> and I'll hopefully have a better execution. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean uh, that for gymnastics, I actually do agree. Yeah. With, with the the execution score taking the taking the best, uh, well taking the top uh, to tie break it, um, because I think it's such a. It, it's like a, a last hold on the execution in gymnastics because um, with, the, with the way, obviously with the code change back in, was it 2004? Was it yeah. when they went from the perfect 10 or the went from so, yeah. perfect 10? Um, and then that just pushed difficulty in, in all aspects of gymnastics. So um, I, think, I think making little things like tiebreakers or, or little code changes to, to increase more deductions on certain skills um, will it'll just hold on to execution as a whole in gymnastics so that people don't just go for the big difficulty yeah. um, even even risk injuries um, like chuck big skills that are just messy but will overall get a better outcome score um, I think it's very important for for the FIG to hold on at all costs um, on the e-scores so I, I, I kind of do agree with the with the tie break on, on yeah. execution and also uh, I, I like tie breaks because it's like the you only get one winner um, you don't have a, a 2015 bars situation <laughs> <laughs> although that was that was the tie break rules there but they all scored the same execution score yeah 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 so- I, I was there but I watched that live that was crazy that was one of the maddest things I've ever seen in gymnastics. It's crazy. <laughs> How many? Four or five? 
world yeah, champions. Yeah. I think it was four. Maybe it was if it was five. Oh my god, it's even crazier. But it's just like each score after another, and then it came to the fourth score, and you're like, they're not gonna get the same score, same score. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. You thought the judges were winding you up. Yeah, it seems like they're just like pulling your. I don't know, just like making a joke of you or everyone. And then it's just like, oh no, yeah, all of you are bars champions. And then it's so fun. It makes it even funnier in 2016 when all of these girls are stepping up to the Olympic bar final. And it's just like, oh yeah, she's the 2015 world champion. Yeah, yeah. Just like the whole her. final, the world champion. Yeah, everybody's the world champion. So congrats to all of you. But in that regard, then that makes it like it's just like yes this is the reason that we have the tie break to an extent obviously the tie break yeah. doesn't always work but then yeah, i haven't i haven't of course talked to any of the girls that were world champions in in the 2015 bars final but i don't know what do you think it would make them would it um take away from being a world champion a little bit i'm sure it would yes yeah i mean I think the medal is still, you know, it's still special and it's still like a huge moment in your career. But then yeah, at the same time, it wasn't just you up there. It was yeah. four other girls. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like... It'll always like, come, the story of you being world champion will always come with, oh yeah, and along with four other girls. Um, yeah. I, I, I would be a bit dubious about it so if I was a... Um, world champion with four other people in the same year but yeah um, yeah I guess it, it, it's kind of I would say it's similar to maybe coming second or third it's like yeah like look at this medal I'm so proud of this but uh, I want to be the, the number one person there um yeah, yeah that's yeah. the and I think in NCAA for like for NCAA in, in the United States for instance like you always have these instances that like nationals or secs or whatever where it's there's almost always a co-champion and it's mm. like, it just takes away from like those individual events and stuff yeah. um so yeah it's just a weird it's so weird but i agree to an extent yeah mainly with the you always hurt if you hurt for the people during the final that are, are getting tie broke like when ali got tie broke off of the beam podium back in like 2012 it's just like you heard from that for them but yeah. it's like the the top three gymnasts and that's how it is but then the two per country rule the three per country whatever um I think it could definitely use some I, I I think out of all of the um suggestions that I've heard about fixing that which I do think it's almost like kind of like a little bit of a problem um it has a flaw for sure um, I think that whole, you know, if you finish in the top 10, like that's the exception to the two per country rule or something like that. I think that's the best solution I've heard. Um, yeah. Finding that balance. Yeah. You never like hearing, oh, well, and then there's this gymnast that's, um, you know, got put out of the final because yeah. they weren't eligible. Yeah. They actually finished and would have qualified, but yeah, mm -hmm. they just, oh, well, then maybe we'll see some changes with it in the future. Maybe the FIG yeah. watched this and just because they watched this, they decided to change it. And then you and I were way makers for that change. Yeah. Maybe we got job offers. Oh, that, there we go. We get job offers on the rules committee. May as well. There's not going to be any overseas spectators 
at the games. So I was wondering about your thoughts on that. And like, obviously I feel like for the guys, especially, um, and then obviously in the United States, like there's the NCAA atmosphere and stuff. So there's all that, but like, I feel like guys, especially thrive off of the audiences and then there's not going to be overseas spectators. So there will still be like Japanese spectators. I don't know to what extent they're filling up the arena and stuff, but you know, usually you might have like, you know, you'd have your country people in the audience with like the Irish flag or the US flag or whatever. And there's not really going to be that opportunity. So what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been awesome to see some Irish flags in the, in the audience. Um, that, that's, it really took me by shock when I was walking out to do my pommel routine in that pommel final in 2019. Mm-hmm. And there was Irish flags around the, the stadium. I was like, <laughs> okay, um, that's pretty awesome uh so that took me by surprise a lot um that there were so many uh irish supporters uh whether they be from ireland or not they they were holding the flag supporting me so that was that was class uh, and yeah i i do thrive under that um under that audience and it, it allows you to enjoy that moment a lot more um of course i i don't let it affect my my routine in any way but you know after you land at this point you're celebrating it's just that little bit more special when you when you see your mom and dad in the stands or or a, a bunch of fans screaming your name it, it's special but uh in terms of the the no foreign spectators being allowed in olympics i'm gutted that my mom and dad can come out and uh and watch and even just experience tokyo um, I said to them, I, I pay, me and my brother came together and got, got them a Christmas present and said, we'll pay for your flights to Tokyo. So we we're really wanting them to go and my brother is going to come along as well. And um, uh, yeah, we're just going to work it. It didn't get to happen in that way. But at the same time, as long as Olympics gets to go, gets to go ahead, I, I'm happy. Um, yeah. I'm happy that I'm able to compete. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would say that would be something similar to that uh, friendship and solidarity competition in terms of the Japanese spectators. Yeah. It seemed seemed quite quite organized. There wasn't too many, but there was enough to fill fill around the stadium uh, yeah. in like a nice capacity. Uh, yeah. But I don't yeah. think I don't think there was shouting allowed. So um, yeah. so that'll probably be different as well. It'll be very like posh, like just yeah. claps okay. and nothing else um maybe or maybe japan will have opened up their vaccines i don't know the vaccine vaccine situation in in ireland but like i get um they've opened it up in our state for instance so i get to go get my first vaccine shot this week just because everybody is available to do it but um but yeah sorry i don't know if you can hear this but we have i live by a military base and some planes are falling flying over us right now so I can't hear anything. Give me just a second. Okay. Hands <laughs> are gone and Reese's bladder is empty. <laughs> You've been pretty secretive about your new routine and stuff, but what is that like D score looking like? Or like what what can you share that isn't going to give away your trade secrets and have all the guys coming after you to recreate your your routine? Um it, it's a it's a lot higher than what I was doing in 2019 um yeah. sure so um i'm i'm hoping to push a, a, an outcome score of 16 we okay. want to get 
an outcome score of 16. Um, <clears throat> that's possible with my execution as well as that more difficult routine. It's possible with my execution um, if I do a really crispy clean routine mm. with my old difficulty. So I want to be, I want to be 0.5 execution taken off. <clears throat> um, you know, we, we want to be pushing that 0.5 execution. Um, you know, like like the, the Zhao Quins and um, Zhang Hang Tao's, they were, they were two of the best formal workers um, ever. So they were two Chinese guys. They were they're actually around the same um, era. Uh, Zhang Hang Tao, he won Worlds in 20... 2009. Mm-hmm. He won Worlds in 2009. And um, uh, Zhao Quin, of course, Olympic champion, multiple world champion. And I, I want to be like up at, on those guys' level because uh, here's me still talking about them to this day. I don't want to be just that one guy that like became world champion one year or that one guy that's won Olympic Games one year. Uh, of course, even that's an incredible achievement. But <laughs> you know, I, my standard is to be the greatest and be listed as that 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 Irish gymnast that has a palm routine that is unmatched to this day. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's my standard when I when I go to training. We're pushing to be that much better than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So like, as far as the pommel horse specialists go, which is actually funny, because I wrote down, how do you actually become a pommel horse specialist, which we'll get to in a minute, because I'm genuinely curious. Um, But as far as the pommel horse specialists go, like, do you, I'm sure you follow a lot of these guys, like, obviously, you competed against Max Plenty, and then like Steven Nedorozic over here in the States. Um, I mean, do you like, so there's this, there's this in the split between like watching these guys and I guess like that community um, specifically, and then also like, you know, staying in your bubble and staying focused and stuff. So do you watch a lot of those videos? Like I know Steven posts a lot about pommel horse and stuff. I don't know if you follow him or whatever, but like, how does that like balance go? Like taking inspiration and stuff from those guys, but also like, you know, staying focused. I, I just watch um, like the, those guys' pommel stuff, just more out of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, because I'm a I'm a gymnastics fan uh, first and foremost. Like I just I love watching gymnastics. So yeah. when you know Stephen does post a, a routine or um, uh, you know even at Winter Cup, like uh, I was watching all of the routines from there. So I'm I'm watching their routines just out of pure entertainment and, and love for the sports. Um, I feel like I've learned everything I can from the current pommel horse workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just a, a, the people that I keep going back to are those Chinese guys, uh, Jacques Wen and Zhang uh, Hang Tao. They're, those are the two guys that I'm always uh, chasing to, to try and because, because of my eyes uh, and in terms of execution, they're the, they're the best that's ever done it. So um i i always i always think of it like if if you're if you're trying to beat the current best in the world you might be setting your standards lower than what you're capable of yeah and that it's a perfect way of looking at uh looking at the situation that i'm in because um you know maybe i could maybe i could copy max's uh technique uh, exactly the same as his 
mm -hmm. the exact same routine, um, maybe beat him by 0.1. Um, but I don't think that's what's going to get you the title of the greatest pommel horse worker yeah. of all time. Um, but and it may also just be holding back what I'm capable of. I, yeah. um, I, I could be capable of way more than just just beating Max, the current world champion. Um, I, I could be, you know, listed as the greatest. So uh, I think that's a that's a good way way to put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think. There's that, that's the unique aspect also of, um, of gymnastics is the creativity aspect of everything. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, I feel like, you know, when you talk about, you know, keeping the, your new routine, like hush, hush and things like that. It's almost also about like, not necessarily like, you know, Max and Steven and them, like they're all in their own creativity bubble. Mm -hmm. and you guys are probably not going to copy each other and everything, but it's more about like the element of surprise and entertainment and wow factor because that also you know drives y'all versus you posting your whole routine on like instagram or something and everybody being like oh yeah i've seen that routine a million times versus yeah. euros and being like watch this and everybody yeah. what you get that initial reaction from everybody the first time around yeah it's entertaining it's entertaining to showcase this new routine that nobody has ever seen before not even video footage it's it's very entertaining for the gymnastics fans and um uh takes the judges by surprise as well because yeah. judges are gymnastics fans too so you know uh, this new skill that i've added into the routine that it, it you know it will take you by surprise you'll be like oh okay there it is and um you, that that's that's what the judges will hopefully be saying yeah when they're, when they're walking down my routine they'll be like oh so he's been a new skill into the routine <laughs> um and uh yeah it's I, I think more than anything it's it's very entertaining um but another aspect of it is i know how much i've learned from watching people's routines mm -hmm. um so I, I won't quite yet give give people the satisfaction of learning too too much from me um i know that's selfish but i'll i'll spill on the secrets after my gymnastics career yeah, exactly. When you want to be a coach or, you know, when you're after the fact, you can spill all your yeah, secrets. I'll, I'll tell everybody my secrets after I finish gymnastics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So that begs the question, do you think as far as like that wow factor and stuff goes between Euros and Tokyo, you only have two meets. So are you going to do a slightly different routine than you will do in Tokyo? Or are you going to do the same routine? Um undecided but most likely uh same routine uh, I'd, I'd love to show showcase this new routine at europeans mm -hmm. um and just kind of kind of maintain uh until olympics so i want to i want to pull up a big performance at this european championships mm -hmm. um get a big outcome score show everybody that even though i've upgraded the routine i'm keeping that execution score if if not better yeah. And um, then just taking taking that European results to Olympic Games if all goes to plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess you also get it's always important to see how that routine is going to score internationally with those judges. Yeah. Obviously, the judges won't be the same, but those are yeah. international judges and and things like that. Versus, I'm sure you have judges coming in and giving you for your mock. Yeah. Oh well, my my two coaches, Matthew and Luke, they are the harshest judges you will ever come across. <laughs> it's <that> quite. <laughs> it's disheartening at times but 
um it's the only way to to make sure we're striving for perfection yeah i'd come off and they'd be like well your leg was bent there i was like it wasn't bent there is no way my leg was bent there seeing that like slight slight video everything so we we put it up on the big screen i zoom in on my knee i'm like that is not a bent knee that's my calf (laughs) and they're like well it's still differentiating from a straight line (laughs) but it just it it ingrains it in my head so Mm -hmm. they're they are the harshest judges um, I'll, I'll ever come across, but it's that that's what's brought my execution score to this point. Um, so when I do when I get scored internationally, I'm like, yeah. oh, that was quite a lean score. But I would actually am genuinely curious, and I feel like a lot of people are about how people become pommel horse specialists because, mm-hmm. and in the states, like I actually think that pommel horse is actually pretty entertaining um, personally. But then of course it kind of gets a bad rap as being something that's like a lot of people will say it's like boring to watch and things like that um so like I feel like when you go into gymnastics you're not like as a kid like oh yeah I want to be a pommel horse specialist so how did that happen for you yeah so like like every gymnast you go into gymnastics doing all six events um up until um recently I, I stopped doing all six events so um uh, when I was younger, I just I really enjoyed doing um, circles on the mushroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was a gymnast that, <clears throat> you know, in my club, I, I was the one that held the record for the number of circles uh, in, on mushroom in a row. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that, that was, you know, step number one of becoming a pommel horse specialist was just being miles ahead uh, on the basics uh, from, from every other gymnast. Uh, and then that, that caught a spark uh, in my head. And uh, then after that, once I started to move on to the, the bigger pommel horse, uh, on, you know, my, my, old, my old Russian coach, Vlad, he used to um, give us a, a voluntary day on Sunday where we could do any piece that we wanted to. Mm-hmm. I would go straight to the pommel horse and um, just spend as much time as allowed as I was allowed to on yeah. that apparatus. Um, <clears throat> so I was doing I was doing skills very naturally, um, as well as pushing myself. But I remember watching some of the guys on TV and world and stuff, and thinking to myself like, I can almost do that skill. Yeah. Or like I can do that skill, and that that as well gave me some inspiration. Where I was like, well, like I'm actually good. And then I was I was always miles ahead of everybody else in the club on pommel horse. So it just, it, it always just gave me a little bit of um, spark for pommel, um, as well as that natural ability. Yeah. And, uh, I remember actually, <clears throat> my coach Matthew, he used to be a gymnast in the gym that I was training at when I was younger. And uh, he's very knowledgeable on gymnastics, even from a very young age. Um, so he was training beside me and was like, oh, have you tried um, doing a Russian on one handle? Because I was good on Russians on the leather. Mm-hmm. And I was, I jumped up, done a Russian on one hand. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do, can do a Russian on one hand. And yeah. he said, you know, if you put two circles on the one handle before that Russian, that's an E-valued skill. Uh-huh. I was like, really? An E-valued skill? And this is when I was like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, okay, well, I'll just put two circles in front of this Russian. And then I done it and I was like, that's an E? And then the same thing happened with the 
the Stockley turns on one handle, he said, yeah, if you put two circles in front of two Stockleys, then that's an E as well. So, you know, that was the day that uh, I was just like, oh, I've got like two of the diff most difficult skills on Palm Horse and I'm 10 or 11 years old. And um, then, yeah, I was just connecting it into routines. Um, uh, obviously, when I was going even across to England for competitions or stuff, I was turning heads because it was like, who's this Irish kid doing a really difficult pommel routine? And I always enjoyed that. I always liked showing off a little bit on pommel, especially in the warm-up area. And um, it, it just it progressed from there. So uh, every every chance I got, I was enjoying working on pommel horse, getting all the new skills. It would, yeah. it would be quite unheard of for me to, to um, struggle on a skill and not get it first day I, I started working on it. Mm -hmm. um so I've, I've just progressed from there and uh, I think it was the 2016 British Championships that was uh when I'd done a routine uh put the put the triple Russian on one handle which is the most difficult skill uh, on pommels I put that on my routine and uh done it at the at a British Championship final so it was on the podium with Lewis Smith and Max Whitlock I, I placed third and that was kind of a moment where I was like okay so I can I can score like in and around what the big guys are scoring like this is actually possible to take this to the next step um and I started to envision myself like it, I, but before that of course I wanted to be an Olympian I wanted to win Olympic games but now it was turning that imaginary world into a reality where I was like okay I'm actually competing against these guys now and yeah. um let's keep going uh so we did and, and um each year we progress more and more and i'm i'm here today in front of you a palm horse specialist <laughs> you got the british empire medal this year yeah what is that and also like i feel like that's something like pretty impressive yeah it, it's it's pretty cool um so because i'm from northern ireland um i i've also got a british citizenship um uh as well as a, an irish citizenship so um dual nationality but uh, uh for I, I believe it it was it was from stemming from commonwealth games when i won that when i won that gold medal in commonwealth games for northern ireland and uh that I, I was recognized um in december last year yeah uh, well, on the on the queen's new year's honors list Mm -hmm. And um, that's, uh, I'd, I'd got a British Empire medal for my services to gymnastics, which mm -hmm. is huge. It's like, um, it's just, it's just great to be recognized outside of gymnastics as well for them to be like, oh, we see what you're doing with gymnastics. You're, you're breaking down those barriers. You're being the first ever Northern Irish person to win a gold medal at Commonwealth Games. You're being the first ever Irish person to win a world medal, European medal um and it's it's awesome to be recognized in that way yeah so is um I mean I don't really know the, the specifics and stuff but how did that obviously with like lockdown and COVID and stuff like you can't like would there typically be like a ceremony for that and like did you get like a a letter with your medal from like the queen or I don't really know yeah. how does so that I, 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 to be honest I, I'm not 100% sure either but I believe there's some sort of ceremony um uh, might be in Buckingham Palace in London, but I'm not 100% mm -hmm. sure, don't quote me on that. Um, uh, but it, it's it's essentially, yeah, a, a medal uh, from, mm -hmm. from the Queen. Um, just 
to to show her recognition, show the country's recognition of what what I've done with with gymnastics in the country. So this is another one that I wanted to ask you about. On the FIG profile, your profile, and obviously like these things are, the FIG is better about uploading, updating these than like the US, USA Gymnastics is because USA Gymnastics, like as far as like the athlete profiles, they're always completely out, out of date and boring um, yeah. or just like completely inaccurate. But okay. the FIG has put on here, you know, like obviously pretty recent things. And it says obviously, it says that your nickname is the Prince of the Pommel, which I've heard before, but if, is that like, okay, so some people get like dubbed these nicknames and they didn't come up with them. And it's just like the nickname that you're just like, okay, that's my nickname now. Or the nicknames come about like where like you created the nickname or there's a, a unique story. So where did this nickname come from? And is it like, do you actually consider it your nickname or is it like, or do you think of something else? How big do you think my ego is? <laughs> How big do you think my ego is? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't name myself Prince of Formal. Um, <laughs> uh, um, no, I. I think. I think the first time I started seeing tweets about it and stuff was after the Junior European Championships in twenty sixteen. Mm. that's when I first started hearing like tweets and stuff that were just going hashtag Prince of Pommel I think because it's got a bit of a, a ring to it like with the two P's and stuff like that but yeah. I, I don't I don't mind it I, I do I don't but um if if that's what their the FIG have got as my nickname then so be it I mean I definitely didn't think that your ego was that big it's like it's hard it's like <laughs> like with like Elotherios now granted I'm going to feel bad if like he, he were to actually tune into this because he does follow our account and stuff and like hear this, but I could see Petro Nias like kind of being like, yeah, I'm the Lord of the Rings. Like he's definitely got like that confidence to him. Yeah, sure. um, but then, but then, yeah, like the Prince of the Pommel is a bit like, I don't know. Um, it's eclectic, I guess. So it'd be interesting if like you had personally <laughs> named yourself yeah. that. <laughs> but um but yeah, when other people start calling you, it's just like, yeah, that's cool. But I thought about that because, you know, if you win gold in Tokyo and you're like an international household name, like watch like NBC over here in the States will be calling you like the Prince of the Pommel wins gold, me gold medal. Um, and then, yeah, like that's going to be like what everybody calls you, I bet. I feel like the reason Pommel Horse gets a bad rap is because it's a lot harder to distinguish skills yeah. versus like high bar and floor and stuff. Like you can clearly see when there's like a separate pass yeah. or a separate skill or on vault, like it's just one skill. So yeah. I thought usually we would do like a throwback Thursday where like we looked at like some older teams, but I actually found this where it talks about like your start value and the different skills. And I can recognize, you know, like the, the main required elements like scissors, traveling um circles like a minimum dismount and things like that and then you can obviously see like flares and things like that but like I would be interested to I want to share my screen with you and basically kind of talk through your 2018 routine and like yeah. try to kind of like break it down for viewers 
and how like obviously this isn't going to be your routine but like kind of distinguishing between the different skills and like explaining in layman's terms what they are so when people like tune into the olympics this summer they have a better idea of what they're they're watching when you're up and like that your your routine has that much more of an impact i guess okay so this is like reverse scissor so you go up and then you go backward i don't know how would you the the scissor skills you you know you can you can see people doing uh a scissor skill without going to handstand Mm -hmm. um this one is called a reverse scissor so one leg goes in front of the other in like a reverse fashion mm-hmm. but you can also put it in front of another um the non-reversed way so mm-hmm. I, I find reverse personally slightly easier so this just in simple terms is um you know you both legs are either side of the horse and you're going up in the handstand position uh what judges are looking for here is not a press to handstand mm-hmm. so if you see anybody pressing into the handstands. Uh, this isn't even a particularly good example because my hips kind of come in in a pike position and then I go up in the handstands, um, which is a big no-no. So you want to, you want nice flat hips the whole way through your pommel horse routine and, um, and no strength used on this skill. Okay, yeah, so, so you don't wanna be pressing into it. You wanna be like basically essentially like throwing yourself up into it. Yeah, it's a, it's a swing. So it's a swinging skill. So if there's any, form of hesitation or strength use then it's a deduction mm-hmm. gotcha so that pretty much that makes sense and then yeah. we go into so this is that triple russian that we were talking about why yeah. does it say flop though do you use the so, word flop? yeah um so the one handle sequences mm-hmm. um I, I mentioned before when i was getting into pommel horse uh that's the two circles before i do the russians which mm-hmm you know, turning in the front support, mm-hmm. um, they're, they, they add 0.2 onto the value of the scale. Mm-hmm. So if I wasn't to do those um, two circles on the one handle mm-hmm. before it, it would only be an E-valued scale. But okay. because I do those two skills or two circles before I do the Russians, it's then a flop sync- sequence. Okay. So that's why it says triple Russian flop. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, you'll you'll see either you know like uh, the the main parts are the Russians or then when you go onto the other handle here is the the stop please. so the the Russian flop first and then again one circle two circle then into the stopley turns yeah no and that then that, that's, the, that's the sequence so if I was just to do the um, the stockly turns by themselves, mm-hmm. it would just be a C valued skill. Mm-hmm. But because I do it in a sequence, it becomes an E then. Okay. And then the sequence is what that's like basically like a connection is like the flop is like it's like yes. what I'm getting. Because I had actually yeah. like I said, I know enough about Palma Horse personally to be able to watch it and tell what a good routine is and certain mm-hmm. skills and stuff. But then there's like those technical things where you don't actually like where you guys know what it is, but then a lot of people yeah. are kind of clueless. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of reached that point where um, uh, Palm Horse is so fast paced that they're almost making up the rules just for the gymnasts. 
Mm. And lots of must for the spectators. Of course, they're wanting to push certain skills, like flare skills, and maybe upgrading the value of them. But it, it, as you said, it's so it's difficult to follow um, mm. in that way because it is it's constant. There's no stopping in the routine at all. Yeah. Um, which is it, it's still an exciting part of that apparatus. The fact that there is no stopping. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's that's that for the four year fans especially, but even a lot of fans of gymnastics like do not like you said, they it's hard to recognize the separation of skills. But then that's yeah. the reason that Pommel Horse is so exciting is because yes. they are putting these together and it is such a feat. Um uh-huh. but yeah, so then you got the triple Russian, which is gonna be here in a minute. Yes. So I'm off the one handle and then go into the triple Russian in the middle of the horse. So that that's that's particularly difficult because the handles are either side of you. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the middle, there's no, there's such little room for your legs to drop. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if you were to do um, the Russians on the leather, you've got a bit more room for your legs to drop below the horse. Mm-hmm. Whereas on this, you need to be quick with your hands. You need to be quick with your body because there's no room for your legs to just like dip down. Yeah. So um, that, that's why that's a, a bit more of a higher difficulty than the Russians on the on the end of the horse. Yeah. And then also like, like, yeah, like you said, it's hard. You don't want to dip. And then you're on, like you, with that, you're trying to basically essentially be like 180 degrees and yes. you're having to hold yourself up through that, which is, yeah. um, like you said, a lot more difficult versus like almost being at an angle if you're doing it mm-hmm. on either end of the horse. And there's not that there's not that much room between the handles, so you're doing this skill with your hands touching. Yeah. Often, often I overlap my hands, so mm-hmm. I, I'm doing them all very very quick like that. Um, so that's another aspect. Of it. The the more narrow your hands are, the more your balance is going to be off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. You don't really see it. It's hard. It's like the pommels actually look pretty far apart, but then when you're doing a skill like this, I'm sure, like. It, when you really look at it and you stop and look at this still image right here, you can see that there's yeah. really not that much room. Yeah. So it's that's that's another reason why it's obviously like very difficult. And then you're just petering. And then obviously there's a traveling skill. Okay, so here's one of those things where it's like it goes from your traveling, which obviously you need to travel. That's part of what gives you your like credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a necessary thing. But then that's kind of like connecting on to the next skill um but yeah it still gives me value um and then into the travel sequences so like the the best way to label this uh-huh. is just the magyar shivado um very limited people do just a magyar or just a shivado so you'll often see them just connecting into one another so this is again the the fast pace of uh, of pong horse just one skill going into another into another into another um and uh again even even talking on on that new routine that i'll be doing it's it's a skill that then connects into another skill and it'll almost take by surprise because it's just like oh that that's in there did that happen Um, yeah like just like so it and it's it's less deductions as well if you were to take one or two circles in between each skill you'll you'll become tired first of all and um also just more deductions will pile up the more circles and the the more time you're on that pommel horse there's going to be more deductions yeah that makes sense so looking at these skills for a second so how did you pronounce this it's myar magyar 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 is essentially you going it's like i'm seeing it from 
my spectator point of view. You're going up and over the pommel, up and over the pommel, but traveling forward almost. And the Suvato is going backwards, doing the same thing. Is that correct? As simple as that, yeah. Traveling forwards to the end of the pommel and traveling backwards to the end of the pommel. You'll see people doing different hand positions with them. Some might not go to the handles at all. Some yeah. might just go to the middle and, and back into the middle or use the handles on the Shivato. But it is as simple as traveling um, forwards along the horse and traveling backwards along the horse. Yeah, that makes sense. And see, <laughs> that's something that you might not see if you're just like watching yeah. it yeah. on through. And then how, how did you, how do you pronounce this? This is the Wu Gonyan, and we just call it Wu. Wu, okay. So this is the Wu, um, which is funny. Yeah. It's like, this is Woo! <laughs> this is the um, <laughs> So this is you, you're traveling across the horse, but then you're also adding that 360, it seems. Yeah, so you're, you're doing, it's, it's like a Russian travel. So there's two Russians in that travel. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what gives that, that Wu skill the, the E value because you're put your again you're having to put two hands in the middle of the of the pommels so there's such little room um yeah. and you know even uh, you would catch your you would step on your own hands often so the fact that there's two hands in the middle there it's very difficult to keep your balance uh, also while traveling across the horse <clears throat> uh, even here like i lost my balance a little bit this routine by the way is so scrappy <laughs> I, it, I struggle to watch this now because I'm like this is awful <laughs> in terms of execution um and you just, won this meet which is hilarious yeah yeah but it it it, it 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 gives me pain watching my my travels and stuff there the way my hips are piked in um it, it's it's challenging for me but yes that's that's the way uh, that was one of that I believe the first time I competed that skill mm -hmm. um because it really added to the start value of that routine and, and we wanted we wanted that gold medal so yeah just put it in there uh lost my balance a little bit see the way my hand even there is uh uh not fully on the horse yeah um, I can see that that means my, my shoulders are so far forward in one direction that my hand is actually struggling to stay on the horse. Mm -hmm. um, so then this this Russian's travel then connects into the triple Russian on mm -hmm. the leather. So again, connecting the skills together. There's no particular, um, like there's no bonus points for connecting the skills, but it, it as I said, uh, you, you want to spend as little time as on the pommel horse as With possible. Turns as possible, yeah. yeah. So then, so the triple Russian, it's, so you get, you can do the triple Russians multiple times in the routine because you're doing it in different positions on the horse, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, I think you can only, uh, there's a rule, I think you can only do two um, Russian skills uh, minus the the triple Russian on one handle because that's a mm -hmm. flop sequence. Yeah. Um, so essentially, I think what they're saying is you can't do because you can do Russians on the two handles as well. So you, you can't do Russians on the two handles, Russians on the leather, Russians in the middle, and even like a Russian dismount because they don't want a whole routine filled with one type of skill. Yeah. So um, even though Russians are my forte, and you'd see a lot of Russians in my routine. Um, I'm still within within reason in the in the code to to keep them in. Yeah, that makes sense. That's and then 
this is the, the hands on this one. So, um, so, and I think y'all's, your dismount has to be at least a D, correct? Yes, yes, the dismount has to be at least a D. So one turn, so if you were to stop it after one turn there, yeah. um, once my hand places on the leather on the end there, that will be a D. So if I was to come off there, mm -hmm. then that would be a D valued skill, but it's just that little bit harder to travel back along the horse. Mm -hmm. um, it just shows more control, more balance, um, because it, it, it is easier to go up and do that day because it's only one turn and it means that you can go up quickly and and get off on one side whereas yeah. on the a you need to go up make sure that you're still balanced in handstand and then come back across the horse and and finish in a in a nice position to get the e dismount mm -hmm. um there so the, the handstand dismount is one of the ways to uh dismount off pommel and also doing a triple russian and flanking off is uh, mm -hmm. is another way but it's very it's low difficulty value and um and difficult to do well actually the russian into the into the dismount so you'll see most of the big guys doing doing the um the handstand dismount yeah the handstand dismount okay mm -hmm. that makes sense and then that's the end of the routine very emotional moment yeah <laughs> i learned a lot so that's great that worked out really well obviously that's not going to be your exact routine but you'll be keeping obviously you'll have like triple russians and stuff in your yeah yeah your it's, it's a baseline routine yeah it's always good to have that kind of baseline routine yeah where is your favorite place in ireland uh my hometown newton ards i've never been there is that like where where is it it's in northern ireland correct yes it's in northern ireland you'll see a little arm coming off the um a peninsula coming off the like top right side yeah you're like that. way up there yeah so you, you, a top right side you'll see like a little arm coming off and we're just at the very top of that lock it's called strangford lock mm -hmm. um that's my favorite place my hometown so i know um we're still i'm gonna go down the list but the i know in um a giant's causeway if it's a clear day you can like, it's either Giants Causeway or Karakuri Reed, but I know that you can basically see Scotland. Where? Yeah, that, that, where, no, where I live, I would, um, I'd have one of the best views of, of Scotland. Um, oh, that's awesome. On the day. Yeah, so it's, it's very cool. What's like the most touristy place that you like to visit in Ireland? Like, obviously like Giants Causeway and Karakuri Reed and Cliffs of Moher, like those are all places that like tourists go. And, like yeah. I went when I was there, but like, as far as like natives go, where do you like to go? As far as far as natives go, or like you're, or I'm saying like, as a native, um, where do you like to go of Ireland? What what touristy place would I? Yeah. As my favorite, um, I was really impressed with uh, it, it's it's top left of Ireland. Um, it's technically Galway, but it's it's quite no. No, not not technically Galway. It's technically Donegal, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's very far away from there. It's very top left of Ireland, and yeah. um, it's called Murderhole Beach, and it is it's not it's it's not as bad as the name sounds, <laughs> um, but it is this it, it's this beautiful place. It's, it's what I wanted to put the photo up on my on my background there mm -hmm. as, but 
um, literally, we, my girlfriend and I went on, on such a beautiful day and mm-hmm. uh, it was a trek to get there. I think it was like a four or five hour journey to get there. But um, we got there and it it honestly looked like, it, I couldn't believe we were in Ireland. Um, it was just this beautiful place. It looked like Hawaii. Um, but ve- I was very impressed with that place when we got there. When I was at Blarney Castle, another obviously Irish hotspot for the tourists, um, they had a murder hole, which was funny because when you said murder hole, like in the castle, and right. I, I don't know if you've been there, but like we're in the castle, like back in the day, like if somebody tried to break into the castle, there's like a hole above them and they would pour like yeah. hot oil or something and like yeah. kill the people. It's very Game of Thrones-esque, but that's what, that's what I thought when you said, that's why I was laughing particularly hard when you said the murder hole beach or whatever, because I thought of that. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful place. It it's, doesn't get represented well by the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the, what was your favorite part of training at home, like during lockdown and stuff? Um, finding out different ways to motivate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, learning a lot, a lot about my mentality, um, and not kind of relying on somebody else, like my coach or any training partners. Um, as well as just, I, I, I got to, I got to um work new skills for like a huge amount of time, mm-hmm. and uh, that's as gymnasts we don't get that amount of time to work yeah. skills. So it was definitely flipping that negative of Olympics being postponed and me training in my back, my back garden to being like, oh, well, now I get to work on all these new skills and go down these different pathways that I wouldn't have had time to, to venture down. So yeah. I got I got so many new skills in that lockdown. Um, it was great. Very good fun. A lot of flare work. A lot of flare work was done over that lockdown. So yeah. uh, I made a big step in, in my flare um, skills on Palmer Horse. What is, where's your favorite place to so for people that don't know um and you can correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure you spend like your weeks in Dublin and then you go home quite frequently to Northern Ireland correct yeah I, I spend weekdays in Dublin and then uh, go home for the weekends in Northern Ireland so where's your favorite place to eat in Dublin um it's this it's this really nice steakhouse what is the name of it I'm blanking the name I completely like the name. It's okay. Browns. 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 I'll say it in an American accent. Browns. Browns. Okay. Okay. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just my accents. I don't pronounce things correctly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's this beautiful steakhouse and they, they bring you out this, this really nice fillet steak on mm. a hot stone. Mm-hmm. and you can just like cook it to your leisure it's it's beautiful also when you said it in an american accent because one that's pretty talented um my irish accent would absolutely just be terrible <laughs> i wouldn't even try but then you said like fillet what it, how did you say it fillet 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 yeah i said fillet fillet oh uh, yeah so we say it like fillet so uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder which way is correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, not sure. I'm not sure which way is correct on that one though. Who is your role model? Um mostly my parents, but um there there's very few people I hold uh 
there's very few people that if they were to give me advice or, or tell me something it would it would stick in my head mm-hmm. um and my, my parents and my brother um mostly being those people and uh then my two coaches Luke mm-hmm. and Matthew also being those people so current currently in my life where if they were to give me advice it will always stick in my head um and yeah you know even especially when you're at, at different gymnastics competitions or different um different events here and there there's so many people giving their giving their two cents to you and uh, saying oh well I think this or oh you should have done this um at world championships or you should have done this yeah go straight up your head um especially <laughs> when it's somebody that you don't you don't know too well but um there's there's a select few people that if they were to give me some sort of advice they've got the credibility from me that's um that awesome. their advice matters the most so uh, I think that that would be the definition of role model for me mm-hmm. is um then people that I, I I take their advice and and admire what they do in life as well. I'm sure he probably was also a role model to you. Your granddad passed away last year, yes. um, yeah. so and I wanted to to mention that because he seemed like such a um, important figure in your life. And I saw like the little newspaper clipping of um, that you posted when he after he had passed um, with him and you with your medal. Um, yeah. So. I'm well, sure that, like, you take it probably time. one of the only photos that was ever taken of that man as well. <laughs> there was, there was such little photos, so that that was that was cool to actually get that photo from the photographer that took it that day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was that was very cool for for that photographer to send me that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was always a pleasure to walk through the doors of my grandma's house and. He addresses me as the champ, the champ, <laughs> and um, even my cousins would say like uh, I was on a, a TV advert, and he would just he'd just be sitting back in his chair watching TV, and there's oh there's the champ on TV now there he is the champ, uh, every single he, that would be all he addressed me as, um, and that stuck in my head um, every single day in training, mm-hmm. um, I, you know I, I let myself know I, I'm a champ. Um, ready for anything I'm going to be the champion of of the world on pommel horse mm-hmm. that's really sweet that'd be such a confidence booster which obviously yeah. it is and that's something that'll stick with you like you'll probably be like 80 years old and thinking about your granddad calling you the champ yeah. and that's like that's even, just- even before before I'd even done anything with gymnastics when mm-hmm. I was maybe 10 years old or eight years old walking up to his door he would still call me the champ because um I don't know. I, I don't know why, to be honest, but uh, yeah. he stayed called me the champ since I can remember. So, um, yeah, it stuck with me. Something people might not know about you. Um, I love astronomy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I got that. I got asked that question um, like one week ago and I didn't have an answer for it. So last week I started thinking what would be interesting for people that don't know something about me um I love astronomy um that's just uh I, I studied it for two years mm-hmm. um in school at a very fundamental level but mm-hmm. it was enough for me to to gain a love for it and then of course uh I, I would get into the likes of Neil deGrasse Tyson all of the celebrity names and science and um 
I was hooked. Uh, I, every every single drive down to Dublin for training, I, I'd be playing a podcast, mm-hmm. just discussing the origins of the universe or um, quantum physics, mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I love it. So, not that it necessarily correlates, but are you a big Star Wars fan? I'm actually not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm actually not. I don't. I don't like Star Wars. You don't like it? Like, you're just like, no? No, I I tried, and there's going to be so many people hating me now. <laughs> but I I really, really tried to sit down and watch an entire movie. Mm-hmm. And just it's just not for me. I, yeah. So, which I mean, movie? I'm more Lord of the Rings. If you ever feel like giving it another chance, start there and then watch the other ones. Because... Okay. The original trilogy is 10 times better than the prequels. The prequels are probably, I don't know how I'd rank them, but everybody, there's a general consensus that they are kind of a letdown compared to the original trilogy. Mm. So, just my- okay. I, You know what, I will, I will, because you know what, I, I'm halfway through watching um, Mandalorian. Yes. And it, I do like Mandalorian mm. and, uh, Okay, if there's a time that I'm going to get into Star Wars, I think this would be the time. Exactly. There you go. Favorite non-gym sport to follow? Boxing. Ooh, that's fun. Um, yeah. What do you think of your native countryman, Conor McGregor? Yeah, I, I love his um, his fighting career. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I like the person he's become actually uh, recently in the past couple of fights. Uh, he seems to be very um, respectable and uh, modest with himself. So um, I like how he's, how he's collected himself recently. Yeah. He also, he also tweeted me um, after World Championships. Um, I did not that, know. That was a very cool experience. Um, so yeah, I just said that he's watching my career very closely. Um, best of luck for the future. That's cool. Yeah, I yeah. guess he's becoming like a family man. Like I think he has two kids and like a wife. Yeah. So it's like you kind of going out of those youngin days, um, yeah. and then yeah, kind of evolving. I guess if you weren't a gymnast, you would be a fill in the blank. I would probably say. A diver, because um, I done swimming when I was younger, and uh, I feel like mix mix that with the backflips I was already doing on trampoline before I started gymnastics. My yeah. mom and dad probably would have just been like, "Yeah, diving." If gymnastics wasn't an option, they probably would have just been like, "Yeah, he can swim, he can do backflips, put the two together." What is your who's your favorite artist to listen to to like get you pumped up like before a meet or whenever when you're practicing? Uh, just any kind of rap music, mm-hmm. um, mostly like 90s rap is my favorite kind of timeline, but yeah, I love the, the rap music, love it. Do you have any pre-meet rituals or like superstitions or anything? No, mm-hmm. um, just uh, I, I, see, I see like rituals or superstitions as a weakness because it's something outside of your own capabilities that you're relying on. Um, 
rely on yourself, rely on your preparations, rely on the hundreds of routines you've done before that day. Um, you know, your lucky socks aren't going to get you through your palm routine. The, the hundreds of hours you put in before you, that competition, that's what's going to get you through the palm routine. And then what is your dream career after gym? I know you've mentioned coaching. Is that kind of the plan? Yeah, I think it, it is a plan. Uh, possibly owning my own gym. Undecided mostly, but these are just ideas floating about in my head. Owning my own gym, being a coach, consulting in different countries with coaching, um, uh, especially going go to countries that um, were, you know, of a similar standard of Ireland. Um, and uh, working a lot uh, on in Ireland actually, and just progressing the sport here. Mm-hmm. as well um but you know so trying to find different countries that that are like ireland's you know the participation levels are there but mm-hmm. we're not quite pushing the the elites pathway um, yeah. and coaches more education i, I um yeah I, I love to educate people just about gymnastics in general yeah that makes sense and it's i feel like that's definitely like it kind of goes hand in hand a good natural pr- progression from where you are mm-hmm. now to post gymnastics so you're still involved with it as well which would be nice yeah what elements did you do like when you were 15 years old and this person said you are my role model um when i was 15 so on on palm the horse um this is the first year actually i competed my my triple russian on one handle which was the most difficult skill Mm-hmm. on pole horse at the no still is actually um so yeah that 15 years old that was the the age i first competed that skill um and competed it well it's been in my routine ever since it's never been like taken out of my routine or anything so it's it's always been in there gotcha um and how many years have you been doing gymnastics so it started when i was six so 15. you might be better at miles than me yeah 15 years is it yeah, 15. What's your message to young gymnasts you aspire, who aspire to be like you? You're an inspiration. Fire emoji. That's nice. Um, a message for gymnasts? Yeah, who aspire to like be, be like you, get to your level. Um, enjoy your sport. Enjoy gymnastics. Um, and yeah, because you, you, won't, you won't work. Uh, as hard as you can if you don't enjoy the sport um and you you, you'll even work without thinking about working if you enjoy what you're doing uh you're going to want to do more and more goals you're going to want to condition your body do all the strength and boring conditioning to get the new skills um and that's all going to happen if you enjoy what you do um and i i've met plenty of athletes and gymnasts that have been like i i don't like this sport um and i feel sorry for them because i'm sure it feels like work to them going into the gym every day whereas to me it's me going and playing um with a serious attitude uh, i'll say um with a serious attitude and, a, and ambition but it is me going and doing my dream job essentially yeah yeah that's definitely they say like if you enjoy what you do you'll never work a day in your life so i think that definitely holds true have you thought beyond Tokyo in terms of gymnastics? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, like with Paris and stuff like that, but um, specifically this person's asking about worlds. Cause obviously you were also going to have worlds this year. 
Yeah, I'd love to do Worlds. Um, how cool would it be to be an Olympic champion and world champion in the same year? That would be a champion, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that would be a real statement. Um, so I'd, I would love to do Worlds, and I'd love to go back to Tokyo as well uh, because it's such an incredible country. What is the craziest thing you've ever tried to circle on? Mine was a car roof. <laughs> yeah, or, right. There is... There's one time for um, uh, a performance, I had this circle on a grand piano. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I, had to, I had to do pommel horse on a grand piano. Um, and uh, there's been a couple of things that have been pretty nuts. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've tried to, you know, them parking bollards. The, yeah. Uh, just like any, anything that resembles like a mushroom or a palm horse of any kind, I, I've tried to circle on it, especially when I was young, you know, always on the, on the armchair of a, of a chair, uh, on the arm of it. Uh, that was always a, a go-to for me. If you were, and I don't, I'm just going to read it as it's written because I don't know exactly what they're asking. I guess like the final two. So if you're down to the final two contenders at the Olympics, I guess that means like if you were like one, one of the final two performers and it was like between you and this performer, who would be your dream competitor to like go against and potentially beat? Can they, um, uh, we'll, we'll keep it with the, uh, we can do active gymnasts and then also gymnasts. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do both, we'll do both. So um, I think it would be cool to have uh, Max uh, with me in that one for, for Olympics. We both do our best routines and um, my best routine is going to be better than his best routine. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll come out on top of that one. Uh -huh. uh, but yes, uh, for, for current competitors, it would be great because... I love I love the rivalry between me and Max. I really do. I think it, it adds a bit of spice to the sport. It, it makes it exciting. Um, gives the the TV companies what they want. Gives the fans what they want. It's and it's fun for me. It's fun for me to compete against um, the current Olympic champion at the next Olympic Games and take him on. It's a it's a very exciting time. Um, so yeah, uh, I I think it, it it could well be that at at the Olympic Games. So. I'm excited for that. But yeah. for, for people that have retired, oh, it has to be, I'm kind of excited. <laughs> it has to be Joy Quinn. Joy uh -huh. um, Quinn. Uh, and just have us side by side. Um, I don't know what the result will be. Um, but oh, that would have been a dream to compete, compete alongside Joy Quinn. Yeah. Um, I ho hopefully get to meet him one day. Uh, I've I've tried to see if he was still involved in gymnastics, and I'm not I'm not even sure if he is. But uh, maybe one day I'll I'll get to meet him and pay my respects to him <laughs> for being the greatest bubble horse worker. That's such, those are so such cool moments when you get to see people who have inspired you and are like a role model to you in different ways. Like I loved seeing Nikita Nagorny meet. Um, or not meet, I mean, I'm sure that they've met before, but Nikita Nagorny and, and Kohei's interaction at the Friendship and Solidarity competition. Yeah. It was like so, it was just so genuine and sweet how like they just like, he like kind of fangirled over him. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, well, I've, I've got a story with Kohei as well. Um, and this was a big fangirl moment where um, we we went to train in, in Tokyo early 2020 just for a training camp for myself and my teammate, Adam. And um, we were we organized training in the National Center in, in Tokyo. And we, we weren't sure what gymnasts were going to be there, but we heard that the gym would be quite empty, actually. And that's why they let us train there. Mm. Um, but we we arrived there and the only gymnast training in that gym was Kohei and his coach Hero and uh, it was just one of those moments where like calm down calm down let's go over say hello to him <laughs> um, but we were training with Kohei the whole time uh, we were in Japan it was incredible it was one of those things where uh, like every five minutes in, in the gym when I was training I'd just turn around smile and like just look at him doing high bar and I'll just be like this, this is a dream come true. Um, and uh, at the, so I was actually, I was doing a bit of high bar while I was out there as well. And um, I was working on Kovacs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all know Kohei for his trademark Kovacs that kicks out right at the top and catches beautifully. Yeah. Um, and he, he gets his coach hero because he doesn't speak very good English, but he, he got his coach hero to come over and uh, give me give me tips so Kohei was giving me tips on the most iconic skill that he does that I watched as a kid and I was just like every time his coach came over and translated um, for him and uh, it, you just saw Kohei in the back back just like kind of looking at me while he was on pause he was just like and um, it was it was incredible it was just one of those moments where I was like Kohei Chimuras give me tips on a Kovacs this is incredible and um, uh, also, like the last day, I came in with a couple of Team Ireland t-shirts. I gave them to his coach hero. I gave one to Kohei, and uh, I just went over, um, started stretching, and then saw Kohei walking over to his kit bag, and uh, pull, pulls out this uh, Japan top, one of his Japan tops. And I was like, "Oh no way! He's gonna give me <laughs> this top!" So he comes over to me, and it's, it's like, "Oh, here, here's my top," and uh, yeah. So uh, I've probably got his uh, his Kohei Jimura's Japanese top in my bedroom back home. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, that's so killer. Um, and Kohei just seems like such a cool, obviously, like, he doesn't speak, uh, like you said, very good English, but you can just tell he's got a great personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems like a character. Uh-huh. It's, it's very, it was just one of those surreal moments that it would definitely be, my my best moment in gymnastics uh, outside of competitions mm-hmm. that that will always be there with me that I got to train alongside Kohei Jimmer, the greatest gymnast of all time. That's so cool, and that is that's something like those are those moments that you don't like think about. Like you said, non competition moments. There's so many. It's important to appreciate also the journey and yeah. the cool parts of the journey that and like traveling and different things like that. The gymnasts get to experience that. Otherwise, yeah. um, you kind of miss out on if you don't take note of it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Final hit. Let's talk about, I just want you to share some like words of encouragement for people kind of paving the way. Not like, not just like specifically like gymnasts in small countries that don't have a very big gymnastics presence internationally, but like just like waymakers and people who are paving the way in general who might be 
doing something that you know hasn't been done before or people haven't done well before or made an impact like you have um, on the Irish stage so yeah like what are your advice to people like that or words of encouragement or people who want to to make a change um there's always going to be challenges um along the way especially if you're going to be the first to do something there's going to be people constantly challenging you um challenging your thought process um you know it, it, it's it's going to be something different to to following behind somebody um in in a certain way when you're creating your own path yeah there's going to be constant adversity coming your way there's going to be people telling you well no you can't do that um why are you acting that way why are you arrogant you know just throwing throwing the words that they because they don't understand that path that you're going down they're going to um throw adversity in your way and um they're going to they're going to really challenge you um and that's what makes it so difficult to create that new path is them them very difficult challenges but to overcome them is just only going to widen that path and and strengthen your journey mm-hmm. um and when i say widen that path it means that more people can then follow behind you on that path um it's a very it's, it's such a it's such a difficult thing even even for gymnastics in this country to be recognized as, as a high performance sport it's such a brand new thing and uh, i'm glad that i i have the results to be able to say like okay yeah we deserve funding we deserve um this and that but it it's like um it, it's it's, cha- it's so challenging to create that new pathway because um, you know, without without funding, you struggle to get results. Mm-hmm. But without results, you can't get that funding. So yeah. it just goes like in circles. Um, and that that funding example is just one of the many examples I could give in in the way that um you, you need to you need to create results to get a certain outcome, and you need to get that certain outcome to and create results. Um, yeah. It, it's very challenging but what I would say is just follow the vision that you have um try not to let anybody chip in in a negative way definitely definitely be open to criticism be open to learning um broaden your knowledge as much as you can uh, I'm not saying um if you're if you're trying to create a new pathway for for many people and the new generation or yourself to ignore everybody that's definitely not what you should do you should learn off as many people as you can um uh, i think bill nye said this that um you can learn something from everybody mm. and that's completely true there's nothing there's not one person on this earth that you can't learn one thing from um you know so it's it's important to not be ignorant to that fact mm. and uh, if somebody is willing to give them a, a, you advice take it on board, challenge it yourself and um, see if it's worthwhile actually committing to that advice. But um, definitely something to avoid is any just blatantly negative comments or um, or bad wishes towards you. But um, uh, it's possible. It definitely is possible to create some sort of a pathway and um, believe in what you can bring to the world. Mm. Yeah.
I 100% agree. I thought the most thought it was funny because you mentioned Bill Nye and um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was Bill Nye that quoted that because uh, it, I always say it to myself and such a simple quote, but I remember the first time I saw it, it, it was just Bill Nye that said it. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny because when you mentioned Neil deGrasse Tyson earlier, I was going to ask you about Bill Nye, but like, I feel like that's like something we watch, like, I don't know in Ireland, but in the States, like they always show us like a million Bill Nye videos yeah. in like middle school science. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I loved Bill Nye. And the, I love him too, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I'm like, <laughs> I just think of like the Bill, Bill, Bill. <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy. There you go. It's like, it takes you back. It takes you back to some yeah. like awkward middle school days and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's a great way to end it. Um, well, thank you so much, Reese. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, we covered a lot of things and I'm sure people are going to be really excited to watch this and learn a bit more about Pommel Horse and you. And um, I mean, we could be looking back on this in like three months and um you know i was talking to the olympic champion so (laughs) fingers crossed and um good luck at euros and in tokyo um and we'll be excited to follow this journey as it continues and then obviously three years until paris so maybe we'll be back here talking about paris in a few years you never know yes 100% and thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed this conversation truly I did and um keep up the great work with uh with everything you're doing with Jim now because Mm -hmm. it's genuinely when when I first saw you guys come come into Instagram and um publish the things that you do it was it was things that were directly for the gymnastics community and that's exactly what gymnastics needs right now is people that are bringing the the right content it's not just um you know bringing rubbish into the sports you're bringing the the exact content that we need so please keep up this this work that you're doing i can tell you wholeheartedly that the whole gymnastics community appreciates that thank you so much that means a lot to me especially this uh, not this one woman show essentially that's happening right now my husband helps me with this company and this venture but um it's a lot and it's a hard, it's hard work. Um, but it's great to hear those words of encouragement, just like it's great for when you hear those words of encouragement. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. And I, like I said, I'm excited to, um, continue and grow this business and, um, this news outlet and, um, hopefully continue to provide you guys with the coverage that you deserve, especially the men who often fall the wayside when, ladies get all the coverage which obviously they're great but y'all deserve coverage as well so (laughs) um talk to you soon okay bye bye